Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. I'm going to share... It, this could end up being a series. I don't know. don't know yet. Um, it could end up being a series, but... The title is Family Business. Family Business. It's Mother's Day, um, and so... I had a different title, um, which wasn't quite sitting right, but this morning the Lord said to me, call it family business and we'll go from there. So this might be family business volume one, episode one, (laughs) part one. one. We'll see how it pans out over the coming months. One of the most incredible truths in scripture is found in the first chapter In the very first chapter of the Bible, um, you see this hidden truth about us being able to speak like and act in a manner like. Okay, it's there in Genesis 1.26, which says, let us make man in our own image. But let me give you some context behind that statement. Now, you know that statement was made on the sixth day of creation, don't you? Um, You know that this was the Father speaking into existence mankind his beloved his chosen ones his the object of his affection his poema his handiwork his workmanship his masterpiece the final crown of creation the the epitome of everything he wanted in creation the object of his love someone who could love him back by choice our formation was with one intention that we would be the mirror image of our Father here on earth. And we are called to be image bearers who by the power of our God-given authority can mould and shape earth to the design of heaven. You've heard me speak before about the perichoresis. For those who need the spelling again, it's P-E-R-I-C-H-O-R-E-S-I-S. I ran that word by one of the Greek students at school this week just to check the, um, the diligence of my Bible study. Um, he was pretty confused, didn't know why I was asking him about it. He's definitely not a believer. He's like completely the other side. And he's like, oh, what's that, sir? I said, oh, it's the Trinity. It's how you describe the Trinity. Okay. Um, perichoresis, the circle dance. Peri, where we get perimeter from. Choresis, where we may get the word choreograph choreo, any sort of order, to place into order, but with a circular motion. So yeah, let's call it the circle dance, and the early fathers uh, would use this to describe the revelation of the Trinity, which is still hard to digest, and to be honest, we will not understand it until we get to heaven. In heaven, we will see it in full, and we'll be able to understand, oh, that's what it looks like that's what it that's how it operates but for us it's easy to maybe ascertain and and begin to break it down in in this way to think of this circle dance now i don't know if you're aware but the scripture talks about god being love okay god is love now if that is the case then there could be no time in history that he was by himself because the very definition of love is that it is other-orientated, okay? It is defined by its 
release to one other and it's put into its final form, as it were, in its best form when it's returned. So he had to... Now, he could have had love and been alone. But for him to claim that he is love, there had to be relationship. And so there was no point... At any point, any member of the Trinity was alone. There is no singularity. There was no discord. There was nothing but harmony. The purest form of harmony. No one greater than the other. No one less than the other. No one interrupting the other. Think about some of your relationships. Maybe your marriage. Those conversations. Imagine if no one interrupted you. Oh, Bliss. Bliss. Anyway, it's Mother's Day. It's not marriage conference. We're going to leave it at that. No interruptions, no distractions, no disruption, no discord, no unease, no insecurity, no uh, falling away out of fear, no maybe I can't because what if I get rejected? Not even the very idea of rejection was present. Imagine what that would feel like, to be in a relationship where there was not one point where you could ever imagine being rejected. That was the union which the Trinity exists in and existed in as they spoke the words of Genesis 1.26. And so you have this, you may be liking it to three spinning tops as it were, just constantly going, this circular motion, constantly giving love, 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 receiving love, thank you, giving, receiving, giving, receiving, facing each other. Okay, we know that from John 1, where it says, and the word was with God, that word there, pros, means face-to-face with God. Okay, it doesn't mean side-by-side, it means face-to-face. And so the Holy Trinity exists in this face-to-face, all facing each other, all serving each other. Okay, this circle dance, and it's furious, it's violent, it's passionate, it's full of uh, dynamic power and it's crackling with excitement at the, the potential that can happen and, 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 and let there be light bam, boom light was created and then it starts to spin, the spin carries on and then a decision is made, who knows who made the decision but a decision is made, one of the three and all three say yes we agree because why there is no discord, there is no disharmony there is, we're only one, we're a symphony Okay, and out of this, this uh, decision is made. Let's separate the light from the dark. Let's call it night. Let's call it day. And that was the first day. And then the second day comes. And then the third day comes. And out of this, this, this mad maelstrom of of of, of love, creation, and everything we know to be created is established. And on the sixth day, it was still not enough. It's interesting though, I, and this is something the Lord shared with me back in March, two thousand and seventeen that he was his first critic. At the end of every day, he would assess his work and he would say, it is good. (laughs) He didn't wait for anyone else to speak over it. Didn't wait for anyone else to look over and say, oh, maybe that might be a bit of a problem in a thousand years' time. No. At the end of every day, at the end of his work, he took some time and said, it is good. And yet, even after five days of good... You can say grace. There was still a desire for more. Because none of that which he created was able to step into the perichoresis. None of that which he had created was able to sustain the rhythms of love. 
without being crushed, without being without faltering. No wild beast, no wild fowl, no none, none of them would have been able to give back. And remember, for God to be love and to exist in this perichoresis, there has to be a giving back because love reaches its final form when it is returned. So this union is fueled by, fueled by love and, and just maelstrom of activity. And on the sixth day, he says, let us make man in our own image. And whoever said it first, the others went, yes, let us, let us, let us. I can imagine the angels at the time went, what? This is no bird we're talking about. This is no hyena we're talking about. This is no dog or pussycat. This is in his own image. I can imagine Gabriel turning to Michael, maybe turning to the others and saying, I wonder what it would look like. Would it have two legs? Would it stand up? Would it walk? Would it? And the father said, let us, and let us give. And began to, out of this perichoresis, this, this wild circle dance, form man. And in the midst of this dance, this is how I imagine it took place in the garden of it, actually in heaven, because he was placed in the garden. So I believe the formation was in heaven first. And all of a sudden, Adam, man, earth, made from the ground, Okay, study out in science, the carbon and everything we have in, in our body. We literally have the very makings of the earth. Everything you need to create the earth is within the, the human body, if you didn't know that. And he says, man. He sculpts man with his hands. And man stands as an empty, lifeless statue. And I believe the father looked to the son and said, shall we let him? He said, yeah. They looked to Holy Spirit who was off spinning and dancing and leaping and twirling and said, breathe. So the Holy Spirit went, and all of a sudden, the very same breath that sustained every single human being from that point till now was released into Adam. And into Adam was Deji, into Adam was Abby, into Adam was Denise, into Adam was Joanna, into Adam was Sarah, into Adam was every single human being that's ever existed was breathed in that moment into Adam. And then Adam's eyes opened, and the first thing he saw was the circle dance. And then the next thing he learned was how to circle dance. And so Adam realizes, I'm made in the image and in the likeness of the one I see before me. Teach me the steps. Teach me the moves that we may forever be in sync. It was so powerful, the reality of this circle dance, that Adam, when he was placed in the garden, would see something that had no name and be able to call it. And it was. He was able to exercise dominion and authority over a land which yielded itself to him. There was perfect order. The cosmic order of all things was set in alignment because there was a man from the family of this circle dance in the midst. This union, like I said, this union was fueled by love. If you ever realize this, the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. 
When you spend time with him, you leave with this, this deep-set knowing of his fatherhood. And you leave with a deep-set revelation of the sonship of Jesus and his ascendancy to the throne of heaven. You never meet one without meeting the others. I used to have that, you know, that typical been in church my whole life question, well, who do I pray to? No answer is God. <laughs> Which one? God. It's fine, we'll figure it out. But over time, as you build a relationship, you realize when Holy Spirit is in the room. You realize when you're engaging with Christ, the living word, the bread of life, the bread of heaven, you realize when the Father has something to say. Quick, everyone be quiet. Father speaking. And so we're made in the image to function like, to speak and act in the manner like, okay? It says that after our likeness, it's not just to look like, but it's actually to function in the same way. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to invite you today to an ex examination and an exploration of the family business. Okay? Because if I look like and I function like my father, therefore there must be things I must realize that I'm now capable of doing that maybe before now I didn't. Welcome to the family business. Let's quickly jump into it. There's loads of scriptures today. Um, John 1.18. This is Jesus. I believe it's Jesus speaking or John speaking of Jesus. Um, John 1.18. And it says here, No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique son or the only begotten God who is in the bosom in the intimate presence of the Father he has declared him. He has revealed him and brought him out where he can be seen. He has interpreted him and he has made him known. See, the thing is, when sin entered into the world, it brought distance. It brought separation. It brought a lack of clarity. It brought confusion. And therefore, Adam, who had walked with God in the cool of the night and still proceeded to, okay, even after sin, had entered in the world. Adam still walked with God. You guys know that, right? He wasn't just by himself, just living out the rest of his 960 odd days. Okay? <laughs> like, he did spend time with God after that. Yes, there had to be some skin between, the, you know, the story. But it's imperative that we realize that there was a relationship still, but yet there was still distance. And so no one had ever seen God. The father. What about Moses who speak to him face to face? Yeah, but you still hadn't seen him. What about David who wrote the songs and was a man after God's own heart? Yeah, but still, still hadn't seen him. Not in his fullness. What does it say here? He has revealed him and brought him out where he can be seen. Jesus was, you know, like uh, you go to a show, the great announcer, uh, was the boxing guy, Buffer. Is it Buffer? Michael Buffer? Um, let's get ready to rumble. No boxing fans in here, thank you. Okay. <laughs> You're all pacifists. <laughs> Sorry. Woo. Pray for your worship, Pastor. Um, let's get ready to rumble. One of the most famous sporting lines ever. Okay, or maybe think about John Motson who recently passed away, maybe you know, from the FA Cup games that you've ever watched, or you know, they think it's all over. It is now. Okay. Um, 
that could have been prophetic because we've never won anything since. Um, <laughs> that was it. That was the end of our chances. Um, you know, so yeah, all these famous lines and, and quotes. But the most famous announcer of all time is Jesus the Christ. Because everything he did, every moment, he, everything, every word he spoke, every thought he thought, announced and made real to us the Father. This is more epic than Let's Get Ready to Rumble, more uh, iconic than they think it's all over. This is the best statement lived over 33 years of the Father. So if you need any clarity, if you need any advice on what God the Father is like, merely need to study those four books at the beginning of the New Testament. Study the life of Jesus. Even better still, spend time with Jesus. Because the more you spend time with him, you realise there is no good cop, bad cop. There is no um, one's angry, the other one's uh, peaceful, one's spiteful, the other one, he kind of likes you. Maybe on Mondays, maybe not by Wednesday. You know, all those things that we, we buy into because they're, they're weak and, and pathetic ideas of theology that have been preached over the past 2,000 years, the further we get away from the truth of Calvary. All these different things that have muddied the waters, muddied our sight, put um, a filter over our lens, you know, for those of us, the younger ones who maybe use social media, um, know about the filters you can put on a, on, a, um, on a picture. I can take a picture and look like a cat. I can take a picture and look like a clown. Um, I can take a picture and look like a fool. Um, there are filters which will mask my real identity and, and unfortunately Western Christianity has done a good job of masking the identity of the Father by looking at things other than Christ. But it says here in the scripture that Christ himself, he has revealed the Father. And so if we are to have churches that have a healthy understanding of what the Father looks like, we must have a healthy representation from Christ. Can we just touch into Hebrews 1.3? Okay, I like to always have two scriptures per point, um, just so it backs it up, it's not in isolation. Um, Hebrews 1 verse 3 this is speaking about Christ I love this you know oftentimes especially now in the past few years everyone's going into the Passion Translation and we'll look at the Passion later because it's you know a bit more poetic it gives you a bit more depth but I think this is one of the best scriptures written in the Amplified just from a literary standpoint okay speaking out about Christ it says he is the sole expression of the glory of God. Check the brackets. The light being, the outweighing or radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. When he, had offering, when he had, by offering himself, accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt, he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high. Notice where it says, Christ is the perfect imprint, the very image of God's nature. Now, there are four areas I want to speak on regarding this family business, okay, that we must be aware of. The first one is our thoughts. Okay, 
Let's turn to Isaiah 55 and we'll read verse 8 and 9. Again, these scriptures may be familiar to you. Um, you probably heard them a few times. This is the Father, okay? The Father speaking. <laughs> For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the Father is saying, when it comes to the way I think, I am so far beyond you, the only way I can compare it so that you understand is that as the heavens are as high as the earth. So think about that distance. That is the kind of intellectual comparison that we have between the two of us. It's a bit of a humbler, isn't it? You may be the smartest person in the room until the father walks in. But then maybe think about... Okay, no, we won't get into that. We'll get into that in a minute. So you have a situation here where the father is detailing the gap between you guys there and, and me here. Not, in, not really to put you down, but just to put a bit of context on how this relationship runs. Now, when I was younger, I would read or I heard this scripture and it was intimidating because I thought, well, I can never think like God. I would never be able to comprehend and we put those kind of ideas into our songs and we think they're spiritual and scriptural. So let's go to another scripture, which is one of my biggest bugbears, right? 1 Corinthians 2, 9, and we're going to end up in 12. 9 to 12. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 12. So, verse 9, you've all heard this one. But on the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared, made and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. I just ask a question. Is there anyone in here who fits the description? that you hold the Father in affectionate reverence, you promptly obey him. Maybe I'll take the promptly off. Um, <laughs> you, you gratefully recognise the benefits he has bestowed. Anyone? Yeah. Yeah? You take the promptly off. Yeah. But maybe some, we may put the promptly on for some of us, super spiritual ones. Okay, the generals in the room. Okay, so you fit that description. And it says here, you know, and we've heard the song, haven't we? And I'm not here to dismiss any songwriters because it's, you write according to the revelation that you have. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store. <laughs> now, immediately, if you read that scripture without context, you can allow it to put a distance between you and him. And what we have done in Western Christianity is gone, okay, there are some things I can never access and most of the time, we put that into the eternal life. We go, oh, that must be for heaven. When I get to heaven, I'll understand these things, what I has not seen, and these mysteries. And then you read verse 10. Verse 10 is a, is a 
it completely messes up that idea. So remember, we've got these thoughts which are higher than our thoughts, and we've got this, you know, God has prepared these things, and it's beyond our understanding. Verse 10. Yet to us. Who? Us. us. God has done what? And revealed them. So those thoughts, those mysteries, those things that were so high, and they are higher than our ways and higher than our thoughts as the heavens are from the earth. That is still true. Isaiah 55 is true. There is still a massive, if I could say, intellectual gap between me and God. There are things I can figure out in my own intelligence, and then there's the stuff he works out, the wisdom that he provides, and then there's God. Okay, And it would be very easy for me to say, well, I can never ever access those thoughts. I can never access that wisdom. I can never access those answers. They're beyond me. And maybe in those times when you're waiting for an answer, maybe those times when you're waiting for God to move, it's easy to make a false theology where we say, okay, maybe not. Maybe he didn't want me to hear. For no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and... and, and It's not entered into my heart. But it says here, yet to us. In just three words, the idea that there would never be an opportunity for me to access that wisdom, access those thoughts, is smashed, completely disregarded. Never should you think that again. God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his spirit. Why, how? (laughs) For the Holy Spirit searches diligently exploring and examining everything. Again, this is one of the Amplifier's top scriptures. I think it's just great. Even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. Verse 11. For what person perceives, knows and understands what passes through a man's thoughts except the man's own spirit within him? Just so no one discerns, comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Okay, so it's saying, even your own thoughts, only your own spirit can know. Only your own spirit knows what you're thinking about that situation. You know, in the same way, only the spirit of God really knows and understands God's thoughts on the matter. Verse 12, now we have not received the spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessings so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. So we have not been given a spirit that belongs to the world. We've been given the very same spirit which diligently searches the bottom, the profound and bottomless things of God. So the first point about this family business, and I want you guys to say this with me. Lord. Lord. Oh, guys, come on. You're going to have to say it. But Lord, Lord. Let the thoughts of heaven be mine. Let the thoughts of heaven be mine. Why? Because it can be. It says here that we have been given the Holy Spirit who is from God. So you can walk into those board meetings Okay, and, and this is something we do <laughs> at the house. We, one of the scriptures we talk about, Christ has become for me wisdom. I think it was 1 Corinthians 1.30. Yeah. 
Christ has become for me wisdom. Anytime I need a situation, uh, an answer at work, Christ, you have become for me wisdom. You have become for me wisdom. And so you're there figuring things out. And you're in this perichoresis, you're in this circle dance of reunion with the Father. And you're in need of an answer, okay? And the Father says, if only they would ask, because I give liberally to all and I upbraid if not. And the Son says, I have become wisdom myself. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm searching these answers out, you just need to ask. And then you ask. And the Father said, yes, he asked. I, did. I just wanted him to ask. And the son says, oh, he's pulling for me because I have become wisdom. And the Holy Spirit says, Christ, come. Let me just find what he needs. And he searches and he looks through the bottomless and profound things, the things that we can't even comprehend, the things that if it enters into our mind or will blow our ever-living mind all the way into heaven. He searches and goes, ah, oh, that's the answer she needs. And instantaneously, she, he's like, in your ear. And that breath, you interpret as, you know what I think we need to do with the next quarter of cells? And then your boss turns around two days later and says, hey, I never showed you that PowerPoint. I never showed you that spreadsheet that we were compiling. But some of the things you said were very accurate. How, how did you know? I'm just giving some real life examples of how the family business, this is what we do in my family. Anyone else? Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. So we looked at the thoughts. Father, Lord, let the thoughts of heaven be mine. What about our speech? What about our speech? Hebrews 11.3. Staying with the Amplified. By faith, we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God. So that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. Okay? So what's it saying here? It's saying, we understand that everything in this world, we saw it in um, Hebrews 1, where it talks about everything is propelled and sustained and held, and held together and Colossians and backs it up. Everything was fashioned, put in order, and equipped for its intended purpose by the word of God. Wherever you find order in creation, <clears throat> sorry, Wherever you find something that has been fashioned, put in order, and equipped for its intended purpose, it was done by the word of God. How do I know that? Because the scripture tells me so. Because the Bible tells me so. So what do I need to... When there's parts of disorder in my life, when there's things that don't quite add up, when there's things that don't make sense, when there is no, when the intended purpose hasn't been found and when I need something to be fashioned and put into order, what do I need? The word of God. Genesis 1 tells us this, that everything he spoke brought order. 
And if you hmm, study out scripture, any time the children of Israel brought their house into order, glory followed. Whenever they brought their house into order, glory followed. The biggest example of that in Solomon's temple. All of a sudden they had this order was brought to their worship and the glory filled the room such that they, weren't, they couldn't stand to minister. We know from what I shared last time, glory and intimacy go hand in hand. Glory and oneness, they are synonymous, they are synonyms. So whenever you see glory, you know that you've seen intimacy, you've seen oneness with the Father. So after order is oneness, union. So when it comes to my life, and when it comes to anything I'm approaching, if there is any sense of disorder, I can take from the word of God and bring a sense of it, or not just a sense, I can bring these things into frame, I can bring them into, that they can be fashioned and put in order and equipped for their intended purpose. My job, which was once a burden, can be equipped for its intended purpose to be a blessing if I start releasing the word of God over it. That relationship, which is at the moment it's a wound because of what happened 15 years ago, all of a sudden, having released the word over it, it can be equipped for its intended purpose and it becomes a place of healing and a well of wisdom. Well, instead of just being something that just triggers me into a place of trauma and, and, and stress every time I think about him or think about her or think about them, now it's a place where I remember what I've learned. The Lord has turned a burden into a blessing. He's turned my mourning into dancing. See, he specializes in taking things that are out of order and bringing them into order. How do I know that? Because Genesis 1, it opens up with disorder. Okay? He was literally presiding over chaos. The worlds were without form. And then he said, let there be light. And over the course of the next six days, culminating in this, the moment we described earlier, he goes from chaos and disruption into framed, fashioned, in order, equipped for its intended purpose. So it's very clear what we are to do in this family. We speak the word. Say it with me, Lord. Let the speech of heaven be mine. Now we're going to look at activity. How do we act in this family? We're going to go into the Passion Translation, okay? We're going into the Passion Translation. I know um, Auntie Abby has been um, the biggest proponent of the Passion Translation of late. Um, it, is, it is incredible to read this depiction through the eyes of love. To John 20, 21 to 23. It says here, Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you. And he told them, it's Jesus speaking to his disciples and therefore us, just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. 
Then, taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23 is the scandalous one, all right? He says, I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins, and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of the sins, they will remain guilty. So he's placed this word and unction inside of you and says, go on. I'm giving you the power and the license to forgive their sins. And when you forgive their sins, their sins will be forgiven. But if you don't do that, they will remain guilty. Right? This is why uh, 2 Corinthians 5 talks about us being ministers of reconciliation. Okay, it talks about how God in us and through us is reconciling the world to himself. So he says, just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. Can we go to Acts 10, 38? Still staying with the passion. Acts, what did I say? Acts 10. Thirty-eight. This is Peter <clears throat> in the one of the foundational sermons preached to the Gentiles. Okay, so he's at the house of Cornelius here. Peter himself has had to go through a bit of a rebirth and a rethink about the scriptures and about evangelism. Okay, and this is what Peter says about Jesus. Okay, verse thirty-eight. He says, "Jesus of Nazareth." was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with great power. He did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all who were under the tyranny of the devil, for God had anointed him. What did Jesus say in John 20? He said, as the Father has sent me, I now send you. How was he sent? He was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and great power. He did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all those who were under the tyranny of the devil, for God had anointed him. So how have you been sent? You have been anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with great power. Whether you feel like it or not. Whether you knew it or not. The moment he said, as I have been sent, I now send you, the game changed. And now you can claim, I'll say birth, by birthright, but that's a whole other sermon for another day. You can claim by virtue of your new birth, I have been anointed by the by God with the Holy Spirit and with great power. Acts 10.38, which I've just read, has been one of my scriptures I've been professing over myself for at least five to ten years. Not yet, about ten years. I am anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with great power. And I go around doing wonderful things for others, divinely healing all those who are under the tyranny of the devil. So now if I see someone under the tyranny of the devil, I no, no longer need to fear because the scripture says that Jesus has sent me in the same way 
So I now know when I am confronted with sickness, the tyranny of the devil, when I'm confronted with um, depression, the tyranny of the devil, suicidal thoughts, tyranny of the devil, um, confusion, tyranny of the devil, stress, tyranny of the devil, pick anyone. Pick any one of his weapons. Pick any one of his methods. Pick any one of his tactics. When confronted with that, I no longer need to shrink back in fear because in this family, we deal with it. In this family, the activity, if you want to see how we act, this is what we do. This is how we act. This is how we talk. This is what we think. Those thoughts that are higher than any other man's thoughts have been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. That's what we think about. As a result, we then speak different. We speak the word of God to bring things into order and equip them for their intended purpose. And then when it's time to act, we start dismissing and smashing up the tyranny of the devil. Come on. Welcome to my family business. Hallelujah. Why are you so passionate about healing the sick? It's what my family do. Why are you always telling me about this wisdom? This is what my family do. This is what we do. I look like my father, I sound like my father, I speak like my father, I do as my father does. This is the family business. Even now I'm looking at different families in the room. There's a resemblance between mum, dad, son. There's, there's an uncanny, oh yeah, that's, oh, your dad does that. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the amount of times I've been called Mike in my life. <laughs> Even more so as a musician. Okay, I'll be playing a gig and maybe there's one of my dad's friends who they haven't maybe seen each other for 10, 15 years, whatever. But I'm on the gig with that person and you know they're in the crowd and oh what's your name, man? You played with what today? Yeah, David. Oh, okay, cool. David, David. I'm like, yeah, David Powell. I'm like, Mike son. Yeah, man, makes sense now. <laughs> Because when they heard me play, even though it's a different instrument, they heard the same spirit. They heard the same heart for worship. They saw the same passion. It may look different. It may, their memories may have been separated by 25 years. And a lot can happen in 25 years. Whether they're friends still, whether they've spoken or not, there's something they see and they go, ah. It makes sense now why you play the way you play. When I tell people about our bedtime stories being <laughs> about worship and learning the, um, just hearing about the Hebrew names for worship, Tehillah. Um, oh, now they've all gone out of my head, don't they? <laughs> Zamar. Go on, Dom, you, you know them. <laughs> he's, he's still got his memory. <laughs> all these, and that's, that's what we would hear around the table, that's what we'd hear a bedtime story with, do you know about this? Um, I remember when my dad preached Zephaniah 317, um, uh, maybe 98, 99. It's one of the few times I remember my dad preached at our old church, preached on the song of the Lord. It stuck with me for my whole life. I'll never forget that message. I can tell you where we were, I can tell you which way the chairs were facing. I can tell you where I sat in the church. Because I never forget what I heard and then I'm worshipping in Norway and I'm saying the song of the Lord is and they hear that snippet of a moment and say oh how did you know the Lord was singing joy over me 
It's because I sat in a message 20 years ago and I heard a man speak about the passion for worship and what it looks like, the life of a worshiper, the sacrifice of a worshiper. Dave, why'd you get up first thing in the morning to go and pray? It's what I saw my dad do. Now, I'm not saying that just because he's here and I'm going to pick him up. I will always pick him up. But when you see me, you have seen my father. Who else said that? When you've seen him, you will see his father. When you see him deliver someone from the tyranny of the devil, you're seeing the father. Because they all exist in union. In the same manner, when you have seen CCF, when you've heard them sing, you've heard the songs of heaven. That's why when Cynthia came and said about the rhythms sent from heaven, it was like, and as soon as there was a gap, it didn't take too long. The Lord was like, melody. Okay, that's the next line. And then we got the co-sign from Samuel, our resident songwriter. He was like, yeah, good. He was like, yeah, good, Dave. Okay, that's it. We're in. Don't, Don't need to do anything else. Let's keep it there. If you've heard them sing, if you've heard them worship, if you've, you've experienced the Father. Why? Because it's family. That's what they do. That's, they look like him. They speak like him. They walk in love. That's why it was important for us to have the foundation of love, the love walk. Because if he identifies himself as love, as the Father does, I am love, how can you be in the family of his and not walk in the same way? Before we start talking about delivering the sick and before we start talking about um, tithing, Let's go there. Before we start talking about that, just talk about love for 20 weeks. Let's see how many people stick with us. Oh, it gets a bit te- oh, Same message, I'm logging on again. The love walk. <laughs> okay, pastor. Another one. <laughs> how many more? How many more? So tell you how many more? Until you begin to look like love. Amen. That message will be preached until you look like, sound like, act like love. Because there is absolutely no way we can repopulate the earth, which is our role in our dominion, to go forth and multiply as of our own kind. The Lord won't take the risk that you will multiply and bring out something which is not of love. waiting for a community to become passionate about love and then he says now you can multiply now you can bring one more now your children will enjoy the worship now they'll begin to experience things and sense things and have dreams and interpret tongues because you finally created an atmosphere where I am and I am being who I am You don't have to turn there, but Matthew 10.8 gives us the job description of every person in this family. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cure the lepers. Yep. Freely without pay you receive, freely without charge give. Okay? That is the job description. Bill Johnson always says it. You know, people come and say, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. <laughs> cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Well, okay, well, I'm going to this new job. I don't really know how I'm going to navigate this career path. Well, whilst you're there, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. And have fun doing it. Amen. Let's say this, Lord. Lord. Let the activity of heaven, let the activity of heaven be mine. Be mine. 
So we've looked at thought, speech, activity. The final one we're going to look at is authority. Authority. Romans 8, 14 to 19. So Romans 8, 14 to 19. Um, we'll go back to Amplified. we can stay with Amplified here, yeah, sorry. Um, it says here, verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For the spirit you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship, in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself thus testifies with, together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs and his heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. If you actually study that scripture out, it says that we must accept his suffering on our behalf. 18. But what of that? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present life, are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred on us. Glory, intimacy, oneness. It's not worth being compared with the oneness, the union that is about to be revealed to us, in us, for us, conferred on us. 19 is where we talk about the authority. Why? For even the whole creation, all of nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known, waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. Now we have a bit of conundrum here. I'll tell you what a conundrum is. You maybe didn't notice it. It says that all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. Says the spirit that we are children of God. It testifies that we're children of God. But then it says that the earth is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. But I've just been told I am a child of God. But you're telling me that you're waiting for me to be revealed. Is it like a, a heart moment? What are we talking about here? The entire cosmos the cosmic order of things, the three scientific pursuits of chemistry, biology, physics, all of them come into order. They're all awaiting the manifestation of who we are and ultimately whose we are. And you have here two words in this passage in the Greek. One word is technon. The other word is weos. Technon is spelled T-E-K-N-O-N. And weos is spelled H-U-I-O-S. And this explains the conundrum we have. This is from a Bible study that I um, was following and then I've taken these notes from. The difference between weos and technon appears to be that whereas technon denotes the natural relationship of child to parent, weos implies in addition to this the recognised status and legal privileges reserved for mature sons. So when it says here 
the Spirit, in verse 16, the Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God, it's talking about technon. Okay? If you've got a Strong's reference, please check this out. Technon is just a child by virtue of birth. Don't need to do anything. I'm just related to. But then later on when it says creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, it doesn't use the word technon, which is a child just by birth. It uses the word weos, which is a child who has reached maturity. So it's not just about sonship. It's about the maturing in that sonship. It is the mature sons of God that creation is waiting for. Might need to tweak. Because I feel like I'm going to get excited in a minute. (laughs) It is the weos. It is no longer enough just to be connected to this family just by virtue of I said, you know, I gave my heart to Christ and and here I am. Okay, am I still there? Yeah, one, two. It's no longer enough just to be like, oh, um, I'm connected and and I'm part of this family. We do what we do. Um, Maybe take me down just a smidge. Um, Just because I said that prayer 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago for me, March 2003, March 31st, 2003 when I gave my life to Christ that's not enough and the reason why I went through what I went through in 2017 is because God was like after all this time you now need to progress to maturity because when you progress to maturity there is a level of authority that is dispensed over you that you now are equipped to wield okay so now there are things, there were battles that I take on now that he never would have asked me to take on in 2012 because it would have crushed me or it would have taken me away from the, from the faith. Indeed, there were certain battles I faced in those early years um, as a teenager or whatever that did threaten to take me away from God and maybe in my mindset I was. But now when the same thing pops up now as a mature son of God, and it's not because of 20 years, it's because of intimacy. How do you find maturity with the father um, as, as a son, as a daughter? It's not necessarily because I've been walking in church for 20, 30 years, which I know is what we were taught, you know, how you know, we respect because they've been in church X amount of years. And that's all well and good. And I understand there's a time and place for that. There was a wisdom that we received from our elders. But I'm telling you, if, let's use Samuel as an example, if Samuel spent the next five years every single day in the presence of God for an hour each morning, without filter, without fear, he would come out one of the most anointed, I don't know how old he would be, 11, 12-year-olds you will ever have met, even more mature than some of the people you've been sitting in church with. Because maturity is bestowed as a basis, on the basis of proximity, not position. Maturity is bestowed to someone on the basis of proximity, not position. It's not just because you're sitting in the family, it's because you're sitting laying your head on his bosom. That's why John was invited to come up higher because he had the maturity birthed out of, I've been sitting, literally laying my head on his bosom, whereas others were just eating the food. 
And how many of us have spent years in church just eating the food? Enjoying the presence of God. Ah, oh, it's lovely. They sang a couple of new songs. Denise was singing in tongues. That was beautiful. Shivers down my spine. My legs started to twitch. Ah, oh, it was lovely. Eating the food. Enjoying the fruit and the harvest of someone else's sacrifice. Because someone else decided that day in, day out, they would be with the Father. And we claim maturity. We claim, oh, yeah, yeah, we're walking in this. And the next time you come up against a demon that says, Jesus I know, Paul I know. <laughs> Jonathan Gooden I know. <laughs> Dave Rackett I know. I know a lot of them at CCF. Who are you? <laughs> who are you? You claim. But who are you? Where's your maturity? Yeah. Oh, David's friend. That's not enough anymore. Yeah, what does it mean? Yeah, yeah, we're close. No, no, that's not enough. Pastor Ron has walked that walk. He's, he's learned what he's learned about love. What about you? What have you learned? Because if after 20 weeks you still haven't got anything, come on. We have to go through another 20 weeks. If after all this time we're not ready to mature, we will not be given the privilege of walking in the manifestation of Romans 8.19. Where creation starts to bend itself. So to Jesus. Peter and John discovered this. Peter discovered this. That creation itself can bend itself to the, the will and the, the unction of the Holy Spirit. How his shadow would heal people. Shadow is a natural occurring thing. You stand, you only see a shadow because you stand in the light. Mm. It's another message. <laughs> okay. His shadow began to exude that which was on him and overshadowing him. Because he has spent so much time with the Holy Spirit, because he spent so much time with Christ and, and just learning about what it means to be a child of God, a, a we are, it's not a technon, not someone who's associated just because I was in there in the room when he showed up. No, 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 I'm, I'm associated because he knows my name. He knows my name. He knows if, if there was only one house left on the face of this planet where he was welcome to come, kick off his shoes and take over and do whatever he wanted, it was at CCF. He knew it's, it's there. Amen. And if, that, if, 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 if ever that couldn't happen, I'll go to all 30 houses. I'll go to all 50 houses because I know I'd be welcomed by the mature sons, the ones who are ready to walk in authority. And it's for us to go from one whose sonship is just derived from the blood of Jesus to one who stands in the authority of the throne of Jesus by virtue of the blood of Jesus you are a child of God That's, that cannot be argued by virtue of the throne of God and the throne of Jesus you can be released into an authority that all of creation has been waiting for and I wonder how many of us are children of the king living outside of the king's table consider Mephibosheth. We don't need to turn there, but 2 Samuel 9, 
He was living in a place called Loda Bar. My old pastor used to say he used to live below the bar. <laughs> Cheap joke, I know. <clears throat> right? Mephibosheth, we all know his story. Well, if you, actually, if you don't, I'm not going to take it, you do. If you don't, he was um, the child of Jonathan, therefore the grandson of Saul. When, uh, when Saul and Jonathan died, his nurse was running with him, dropped him. He was then, therefore, paralyzed. In his fear, even though he had the blood of the king inside of him, fear meant that he went to hide. David reaches the throne at the place of um, unity. That's, study it out. Literally, it was a whole event where he brought Judah and Israel together. He then says, is there anyone from the house of Saul that I could bless? So Mephibosheth, who was hiding, even though he had the blood of a king, he then gets revealed to David. David says, come. And he's invited to sit at the king's table. The Bible talks about that. When Mephibosheth shows up, he throws himself on the floor. Even still, there's an aspect of fear when approaching the king. How many times have you, as a child of God, still approached the king with fear? And the king saying, fear not. I have a covenant that has been cut, and therefore I am bound to do good to you. Amen. I am bound to do good to you. And then he says, you'll eat at my table always. And you know what the beautiful thing? Mephibosheth went, sat at the table. You know what the best thing about the table is? It covers his paralysis. Mm. So now when you look at that table, you see Absalom, Solomon, uh, I don't know who was born at the time, but let's work with me. Adonijah, <laughs> whoever, right? That's the only three I remember, right? So Adonijah, Absalom, Solomon, you see all of them. Maybe Solomon's six years old, whatever. And you see Mephibosheth, and they're all sitting at the table. You can never tell that Mephibosheth has a flaw. You cannot tell that Mephibosheth, the child of the king, as he sits at the king's table, has anything wrong with him. But he has to take his seat at the table for that to be the case. He has to take the seat at the table for you to realize, for, for, his, sorry, for his paralysis to be covered. For his humanity to be covered. For his disadvantage to be covered. I don't think you guys are hearing me. For your disadvantage to be covered. For your humanity to be covered. For all your flaws. For all your twists and your turns and your thoughts and your doubts. For all of that to be covered. Sit at the table. It has been given unto you the opportunity to sit at the king's table. Because there is a king on the throne of David. And just in the same way as David did with Mephibosheth, there was a king who said, anyone with the king's blood, come. Anyone with the king's blood, come, 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 come. There's a seat at the table. And for those of us who won't shrink back in fear, those of us who won't uh, look at our own paralysis and say, well, maybe I can't get there in time. Maybe I won't be able to sustain it. Okay, this is some, these are things I've had to work through. Father's telling me about all these big, massive plans he has for my life, all this ministry stuff, the anointing. I'm having dreams at age 15, 16, 18, 21, 22. I've got them written now all these dreams of these massive crusades and, and thousands and thousands of people God took me up to heaven when I was 24 years old showed me this he said this is what I want your life to be I'm seeing all this and the first reaction I have is but what if I fail and his reaction is come sit at my table and the moment I sit at his table and I start to eat his food, I start to dig into the bread of heaven, I start to have conversations with Holy Spirit the moment that takes place I am no longer aware of my 
fear. I'm no longer aware of my potential to fail. I'm no longer aware of my potential to let him down or, or maybe that doubt that I had that I won't be able to sustain. The beautiful thing, you know when, uh, who was it? Was it Peter and John at the beautiful gate? When they met the man who had been there, do you understand that man had been there for years? Do you know that Jesus walked past him? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You guys realise that, yeah? Yes. Jesus, imagine the faith you need to have as Peter and James and John, whoever it was, I can't remember. Thank you very much. You guys definitely read your Bible. <laughs> imagine the faith you need to have to walk past a man that you know Jesus walked past and heal him. Mm. Incredible scenes. To see someone that you yourself, however many times when you went into the temple, you walked past him. <laughs> Jesus healed every other lame and crippled man, but not this one. And he's asking you for silver and gold, and you say, I don't have that. But such as I do have, I give to thee. Get up and walk. Why? Because that man's legs could not carry that which had been placed upon him. And many of us, like Mephibosheth, we have the blood of the king inside of us. There's been a covenant cut before we even showed up. But our legs don't have the strength to carry the destiny that the Lord has placed on us. And therefore, we have discounted ourselves from even showing up to the palace. Maybe we pray five, six, seven days and then on the eighth day, we get a bit tired and we say, I'm not sure. is raising up his son. Perfect, but this is what has happened. Look across the world. The Lord is raising up sons. How do we know that? We had a period just around the pandemic where all the church fathers started to pass away. All the previous generations, and I remember a friend of mine came to my house in 2015, 2016, and he sat and he said, Dave, I just sense it in my heart. In the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a lot of them pass away, you know? And we're going to have to be ready to step into those positions of leadership and ministry and whatnot. 2020 hits. Within five to ten years, this bishop, you know, all these, from, especially in the Pentecostal churches, Kojic, uh, Church of God of Prophecy, all these stalwarts who led churches for 40, 50 years, all of a sudden they began to pass away. Nature abhors a vacuum. And so the Lord is calling out for the next generation of sons and daughters to no longer define themselves just because of the blood that runs through their veins, but by their position and proximity to him, sitting at the king's table. When Mephibosheth sat at that table, no one knew he was a cripple. All they knew was that he was a son 
of a king. Mm-hmm. Because the only qualification that was needed to sit at the king's table was, are you a son? Mm-hmm. Or do you have the king's blood? If you do, take this elevated position of influence and authority. So this is our family business. We think like our father. We speak like our father. We act like our father. But all that is all well and good. Now it's time to move into the authority of our father. Now is the time to look out on the crowd and declare, thus saith the Lord, and no longer have any doubts. This is what the Lord is doing in this time. Here's, here's the direction. This is the way to go, go. This is what we should do in this business, we're gonna do it. This is what I'm gonna do with my business, this is what I'm gonna do. This is the career I'm gonna go after, this is what I'm gonna do. It's having the authority to know I have spent time with him. I have been with him. And I didn't even realize this until just now. I lived this out this past two weeks. I wrote this, um, I wrote the first part of this message two weeks ago. And usually I have notes upon notes upon notes upon notes. And this is the first time I've just...
just getting close. And when I feel like I've got close, I get closer. And when I feel like I'm closer, there is closer. And when I feel like I've had enough, there's more. I stick around. When I set that alarm for an hour, I do an hour and ten. Mm-hmm. Not because time is, is, is the, the main factor of defining my int- intimacy with him, but because I'm having so much fun, I don't want it to stop. Mm-hmm. If it means I'm late for that meeting, uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> but just to be close to him is my desire. And then you start to understand why David said, one thing I desire... One thing I seek as my absolute necessity, my vital necessity, is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because if I could be close to a king to sit at his table, then every thought will line up with the king, every action lines up with the king. And then I see this authority begin to flow. So Father, we just give you praise, we give you glory, we thank you that there is an authority you are bestowing upon this house of mature sons of God. Those who are no longer allowing any paralysis, any human deficiency to define who they are. There is an open invitation to sit at the king's table. There's wisdom on offer. Crystal, there's wisdom on offer. There's wisdom on offer. I don't know what your question is, but there is wisdom on offer. Father, we reject any any old mentalities and habits, even those that we picked up in the church, where we only do certain things to get something from you. Father, we do them because we love you and we just want to just be with you and spend time with you. And let it be the legacy of this house. That not only do we walk in love and practice it, but that they may say we are love in our Father's image, participants in our Father's business, which is to love and to save a dying world. And so, Father, find us in places of utter darkness that we may shine a light. Throw us into the deep end that we may swim. Push us, prod us, Holy Spirit. Prick our conscience that we may pray with a renewed sense of fervor, knowing whose we are. And bring that divine ease that every royal has. There's never been a royal who's had to question whether their words will be listened to. And so, Father, as we pray and as we worship, as we exalt your name, bring that ease that we may know we are the King's kid. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Seriously, guys, study. Study a royal person. Okay, we've got the coronation coming up. Look how they act. Look how they move. There is no level of exalted stress. There's an ease to how they act, how they move, how they speak. If that's how it is on earth, how much more so for our Heavenly Father, who has asked us and invited us by virtue of the blood of Jesus to be King's kids, okay? So welcome to the family business. It is a pleasure to have you with us. Um, I look forward to seeing your work. 
Look forward to seeing how you act, how you speak. Look forward to hearing your ideas, the ones that blow our minds, the ones that shape worlds, shape generations. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 